Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. If you don't know who I am, I'm Tim, and uh, I'd like to welcome you uh, out on this Memorial Weekend where we uh, have family out of town. And it's really about remembering those that have gave their lives so we can do this, uh, one of the many freedoms we have here. And so I think it's just wonderful that we do have a weekend that's dedicated to that. We're in a, in a series of lessons we're calling uh, Storyteller. And uh, Jesus, the Bible says that uh, he told a lot of stories. Uh, here's what the Bible says in Matthew 13. If you've got a Bible, you want to turn there, you can read along. It says that Jesus told many stories in the form of parables. And that's what he did. He, Jesus told more stories than Isaiah did or a lot of these other guys in the Old Testament. They used allegories and, and used parables. Well, Jesus outdoes them. Um, and uh, he tells a story. Almost uh, most of his teaching is in story form, in fact. And uh, today we're looking at a particular parable that um, we're familiar with last, or maybe not as familiar with as last week's. Last week we looked at the parable of the sower. Everybody knows about that, basically understands that parable. And Jesus explains that parable to his disciples. Well, with that in mind, he then goes into another parable as they're thinking about farming and, and harvesting. And this is found in Matthew 13. And it starts in verse 24. This is the parable, the story of the weeds, uh, the weeds in the field. Now you have the New Century Version up on the screen. And this is what the Bible says in the New Century Version. Then Jesus told them another story. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who planted good seed in his field. That night when everyone was asleep, his enemy came in and planted weeds along the wheat and then left. Later the wheat sprouted and the heads of grain grew. But the weeds also grew. Then the man's servants came to him and said, You planted good seed in your field. Where did the weeds come from? The man answered, An enemy planted them. The man, uh, he planted the weeds. The servants asked, Do you want us to pull up the weeds? And the man answered, No, because when you pull up the weeds, you might also pull up the wheat. Let the weeds and the wheat grow together until the harvest time. At harvest time, I'll, let, I'll tell the workers, first gather the weeds and tie them together to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them to my barn. And then he begins, so he tells them that parable. And uh, then he starts telling another parable about the mustard seed. I believe Gary's preaching on that next week. Uh, and, and then um, it's almost like the disciples are still processing this story. And so they ask him in verses 36 to 43 to explain this parable. Then Jesus left the crowd. Now remember, the crowd last week, we talked about the crowd, the parable of the sower, consisted of the crowd, the Pharisees, the fam his family, and his disciples. Well, they've all left. And so Jesus has left the crowds. He's went into uh, to the house, and his followers came and said, Explain to us the meaning of the story about the, about the weeds in the field. So Jesus in detail explains this. He says, The man who planted the seed in the field is the Son of Man. The field is the world. And the good seed are all of God's children who belong to the kingdom. The weeds are those people who belong to the evil one. And the enemy who planted the bad seed is the devil. The harvest time is the end of the age. And the workers who gather are God's angels. Just as the weeds are pulled up and burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. 
The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all who cause sin and all who do evil. The angels will throw them into the blazing furnace, where the people will cry and grind their teeth with pain. Then the good people will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let those with ears use them and listen. What an interesting passage. Here's a, it's, what I find very interesting is Jesus tells this story, the disciples asking for an explanation, and there's only a handful of parables that Jesus explains. And this one, he explains more than any of the parables. He's very detailed as to who's what and what's where. And by the way, did you notice, if you notice, the, uh, the, the, the items and the characters in the parable have changed a little bit from the sower. We're going to see that today. But he explains this in great detail, and yet, even though Jesus explains this parable in great detail, most believe it's the most misunderstood parable of all the stories Jesus teaches. Imagine that. Yet here Jesus makes it real clear, and we as people manage to just mess it up, don't we? We, we, we complicate it. And there's two basic uh, views of this passage. One view is that he's talking about the church because he says the kingdom of heaven and the children of the kingdom. And right here, you know, the sun will shine, you know, the kingdom, uh, uh, the kingdom will, sign, uh, will shine. And then you've got, you know, all these references to the kingdom. So we must be talking about the church. But like we were learning is the kingdom is much larger than just the church, just the people of God. In fact, we're going to see that this is really not what he's talking about. He's not talking about purging the church. You know, a lot of people have taken these over, over, over history, have taken these verses, and they've burned people at the stake. They have killed them, religious people, because, well, that's what the Bible says, to gather them up. And yet this, th- there is a passage that talks about church discipline. We have those passages, and Jesus does talk about them. But this one is not really about the church. It in- might include the, the, the God's, God's people, but I believe... What I'm noticing is the kingdom of God also encompasses His rule. Now I'm going to ask a question that I asked in the first service in the kids' room, and that is, who made the world? God. Who owns the world? Who rules the world? God does. And so His kingdom encompasses not just His people, but the reign, His reign and rule over what He reigns and rules over, and that's everything. And so what I want to do today is I want to try to let this story do the talking. That's what I'm going to try to do. It's very difficult. But I'm going to try to let's let the story tell us what it's about. And let's see if we can pick some things out of here that, that if you're a disciple, I've appreciated Justin asking who, is, who are Christians. And some of you, uh, you know, it's great to see your hands go up. Some of you are a little reluctant. I mean, what's going to happen? <laughs> Well, I want you to know the disciples here, God's that, that are His children, are meeting with Jesus privately and saying, tell us about what this, this particular parable bothered them enough to where they didn't ask about the mustard seed. They wanted to know about this one. And today, I want to encourage you as Christians, because I know today we have two groups of people here. Those of you who are Christians, those of you who are not. But I want to talk to you especially if you're a Christian this morning. Because Jesus pulls his disciples aside and wants them to get this. And he even says at the very end, if you've got ears, use them here. It's 
very important you hear what he's having to say here. So what, what, does, what does Jesus want you and I as disciples to know from this parable? Well, let me give you four, uh, I think, four ideas that he's trying to, trying to emphasize. The first one is God plants his people where he wants them to be. God plants his people. He puts people where he wants them to be. Look, look, at how, look at this verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who planted good seed in his field. He plants good seed. It's, and we're going to find out the, who those, that seed is. But the picture is he's planting seed in his field. He's planting it where he wants it to be. Now the sower, in, in your notes here, this, this kind of helps us understand this. The sower is, instead of... Anybody who sows the seed in the parable of the sower, that's what we find there. Jesus is more specific here. He's, he's saying it's him. The sower is Jesus. Look at verse 37. The man who planted the good seed in the field is the son of man. Now the field, what's the field? Well, in the parable of the sower, if you remember, the field was the hearts of men. But not in this parable. The field is the world. It's the world. So in other words, I, 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 could not, I could not understand this. Commentator after commentator would read over this part of the verse. Jesus makes it clear. The field is the world. And he says, this is how it's going to be in the kingdom of God. I'm going to plant seed in the world. That's the, way it's, that's the expectation I should have as being a person in the kingdom of God. That God is going to put me somewhere in the world. It's not just in His people, but He's going to, he's going to use the world with His people. He's going to plant people in different parts of, of the world on purpose. The good seed, well, instead of the Word of God, like the parable of the sower, the good seed are Christians. That's the next thing I want you to see. And the good seed... Jesus explains in verse 38 here, are all of God's children who belong to the kingdom. They're a part of His kingdom. They're Christians. They're saved. Now, it's very important. I want you to listen to this. This is very important. If you're a Christian, if you're claiming to be a Christian, you're claiming to be a disciple, it's important for you to realize that God is going to put you somewhere for a reason. God is going to plant you somewhere for His purpose. God is very strategic. And as a Christian, I need to understand that the King of Kings is saying, you remember my kingdom? Yeah, I, I got an assignment for you. I'm sending you over here. I'm putting you over there. I'm putting you in this place. I'm putting you in this situation. Why? Why would you do that? Because I need good seed there. I need some good seed in those places. Look what the Bible says here in Acts 16. Very popular passage for some of us. God began by making one person, and from him came all the different people who lived everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. Now, why did he do that? Well, he wanted them to look for him and perhaps search all around for him and find him, though he's not very far from any of us. See, God wants godly people. By the way, the word godly and good are closely associated. He wants godly seed or good seed everywhere on the earth. And see, we have to start thinking differently. We have to start thinking differently as a disciple. This isn't about me anymore. It includes me, but it's much bigger. I've got to see the bigger picture. 
What do you mean, Tim? I've got to see that I'm in this city for a reason. I, if I'm in this city, why do I have to live here? You know, some of us here, I, I meet people like this. They're kind of like uh, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. I'm going to shake the dust on this crummy little town and see the world. My older brother, um, it's his birthday today. He shares his birthday with Kim, uh, Kifmar today. Um, and uh, one of the things I think is interesting is, is he is still in Albion. And yet he was the brother of the three of us that said, I'm going to shake the... He, I'm going to shake the dust off this and I'm going to Australia. And he never left. He's still there. And I was going to stay. And look where I'm at. June the 1st, I will have been here 30 years. 30 years. I don't want to make it sound like a prison sentence, but it's a long time. (laughs) I'm getting paroled. (laughs) If I'm good for another week. You know, 30 years I remember Denise and I moving that rider truck and backing up and, and, and living, you know, in Alton. And, you know, we prayed and fasted. We prayed and fasted over the place we wanted. We, and I've got the quiet time notebook to prove it. And I've got my prayer written out. I said, Lord, we're, we're, we're wanting to, to uh, move to Alton. Uh, but we ask you, Lord, could you give us a house for less than $50,000? That was one of the, We're just asking. And we're going to fast about it because we know that'll get somewhere. Maybe, you know, does get somewhere. And I go, and we and we want to be just, you know, in an Alton, and we want it to have enough room to have people over a lot. That's all we're asking. We ask you to sell our home quickly. As I'm driving the stake for sale, I kid you not. As I'm driving in the stake for for sale, a guy pulls up. Are you selling your place? Yes, I am. And they buy it. Just in a couple of days, it's sold. Whoa! We come to Alton. We're looking at lots of houses. Oh, that was that was an experience. And then we come up to this place on Kindle. And how much are you asking? Well, we're asking quite a bit, but we'll take forty nine nine for it. Forty nine nine. What do you think, Denise? Eh, I guess maybe. Okay. Inside, I'm going. Oh my gosh. This is awesome. And it's just inside Alton. It's got lots of room. We can have lots of people over. And he threw in a swimming pool to boot. I was like, this is awesome. And so we get the place. Now, I, when I, what are you trying to say, Tim? That praying and fasting works? Well, yeah. But I'm telling you, I am here because it's within the will of God. If God didn't want me here, I wouldn't have even got here. It was funny, when I was a kid, I remember thinking, I want to live where that giant lives. When I was five, six, you know, and first heard about what Robert Waddle, I want to live there. I think that would be the place to live, you know. And I've uh, been here for 30 years. There's our hometown. That's our song, you know. I grew up, in a, I grew up on the farm, folks. I, I never heard police sirens. It was very different. Uh, Coke machines on every corner. I thought I was in heaven. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying is, you know, God is where you are. If it's within the will of God, or you wouldn't be here. Um, I think about for us personally as disciples, you know, the jobs we have, and I listen to some of us. And I don't know what you're thinking. You got to change the way you think here. You know, I got this job. I hate this job. Why am I here? 
You're thinking about the job being to pay so you can get stuff and eat. But there's a strategic reason you're at that job. Even at that job that sucks. I remember uh, the, the campus. The campus you're on. Whether it's grade school, high school, college campus. doesn't matter. You're there for a reason. You know, uh, uh, Carl was baptized, I understand, this week, right? And he's not here. He's, is he home? Huh? Okay. Uh, Lamont is his last name, Carl Lamont. And we got a picture of him in the bulletin. So you can, you know, there's his mug shot so you can find him. And, and uh, you know, uh, there were people, God put good seed on that campus for a reason. Amongst all the weeds. Years ago, Matthew came into the house and his lip was sticking out, shaking his head. He was in kindergarten. What's wrong, Matt? And Denise and I are listening to him. He goes, I don't like my teacher. All she wants to do is sing. All she wants to do is get, get over to the rug. Here's what he said. Get over to the rug. Let's all go to the rug. And ding, 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 ding. And she wants to sing about, you know, itsy bitsy spider. I don't care about it. I want to touch spiders. I want to study spiders, not sing about spiders. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to say? And Denise, God bless me with a wise woman. She goes, well, Matthew, maybe you're not there for you. Have you ever thought God has put you there for, for a reason? There's somebody you're supposed to meet. Huh? There's somebody you're supposed to meet. On, uh, there's probably a friend, and he made friendships, lifelong friendships. Last, uh, yesterday we were at Corey and Rachel's uh, wedding, and, and Jeremy Maletti is there. Is that, is, that right? is that right his name, Denise? Yeah, Jeremy Maletti. What a name. Maletti Spaghetti, I think is what they called him, you know. And, and uh, man, you know, and, and Matthew and him see each other. They have a big hug. Met him at school. Met him at school. Shared his faith with Jeremy. He shared his faith with a lot of his friends. Nathan, you know, he, he, here he comes along and, and we go out for t-ball and we're in uh, uh, scouts and we're all these things. And, and Nathan, you know... <sighs> He wasn't very good in baseball. He couldn't hit the ball. And we, he, was, he could hit it a mile at home, but something about there he is at the plate in front of everybody. And, and I'd go, swing the, swing the bat. <laughs> he just freezing up. And I remember paying him a quarter for every swing, whether he hit the ball or not. I never paid. Never. It was like... But I remember... One of the things I remember, though, was was that he knew he wasn't there for baseball. He was there to reach out to his friends. And so you meet people like Jake Apple. We meet the Apple family. And it was just, what a run of studies we had. Because my boys were more strategic. They were, they, they, I couldn't believe how early on, they, I didn't think like that. But they were. They were thinking early on, this is how we'll do this. This is how we'll... Okay, God, you've put me here. I remember he was in a class one time. And Nathan hated the teacher. The teacher would belittle people. You know, I hate this guy. I understand. But you, and he'd say, I know I'm there for a reason. God puts us in these places for this purpose, for his purpose. Um, last week, my wife's talking to me. And I'll tell you something, guys. When the Holy Spirit is messing with my wife, I step back out of the way. I kid you not. 
Tim, I got something burden on my heart. I go, what's going on? I just start thinking about Jason and Chelsea Householder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, and I just miss them so much. They just live in Bunker Hill, and you know, and they got the twins and Tyler, and you know, the twins are so funny. And oh man, I miss them too. And we studied with them, studied with them in their home, and uh, they they haven't been they haven't been church in years. And I don't know. I just feel that would it be okay? Why don't we go up there and visit them? Okay, we can do that. I'm kidding you not. Later that evening, or that that afternoon, she goes, "Guess who I ran into at the grocery store?" I go, "I don't know, Jason Householder." And we got to talk to him. God puts us in places for reasons. Do you realize that He plants? He needs good seed. He needs good seed all over the earth. You live, listen to me, listen to me on this one. It's very important. All of us Christians get this at Greater Alton. You're the wheat. You make, you make flour from wheat, and it's, we're, the, we're the ingredients that give the bread of life to the world. We've got to think like this. We've got to think more strategic, because God sure is. And I hope this morning you'll think, be more aware of it when you're with your family this, you know, this weekend, cooking out, or, or you go play golf on a golf course. You're, you're just aware, hey, I'm, there's good seed being planted here. And, and I hope, I want to assume I'm a good seed, don't you? <laughs> Maybe that's a reach for us at times. I'm more like a weed, Tim, than wheat. Well, okay. Well, try to be wheat wherever you are. That's what he wants us to see here. He plants us where He wants us to be, where He wants, I'm sorry, where He wants us to be, and let's let Him use us. Number two, though, is another, it's a sobering thought that He makes in this parable, and that is that evil is everywhere. And that just stinks. Have you noticed how weedy the world is? It's everywhere. After the good seed is planted, it's like somebody is sabotaging this guy's field. And I can just imagine Jesus starting to whisper when he gets to this point of the story. He goes, after the guy, he planted this good seed, then he goes, that night, while everybody was sleeping, his enemy came in. He snuck in, a dirty snake, tiptoed in, threw the weeds, threw all this weed everywhere, you know, and then he, then he leaves. He just leaves. Kind of going, <laughs> you know, I got it. The weeds he's referring to here in this field is called bearded darnel. Bearded darnel. It's an invasive weed. By the way, did you know that right now, the month of May in Illinois, it's invasive species month in Illinois? And that the government, the, our state government, is asking everyone in Illinois to begin to tackle the invasive weeds that have been introduced from Europe since the 1700s. Well, like what, Tim? The Canadian thistle, uh, hogweed, and my favorite enemy, bush honeysuckle. It grows everywhere. And many of you have no idea. You've got bush honeysuckle growing in your yard. Some of you do, because we've talked about it. And they're so difficult to kill. They give a toxin to the other plants that keep them from growing. It dwarfs their rate of growth. That's how, that's how aggressive this weed is. Right now, the woods and forests of Illinois are under a great threat from bush honeysuckle because it kills all the undergrowth. So a woods or a forest cannot reproduce. 
And so they called out all-out war on bush honeysuckle. Now, I'm, as, I'm about as, about as uh, passionate about killing the bush honeysuckle as I am moles, if you don't understand who I am, okay? And I am telling you, I've made peace with the mole, but not with the bush honeysuckle. And I would, I would encourage you guys to think about that image in your mind as we talk about weeds here, because this bearded darnel looks just like wheat when it's first planted in its early stages. Look at this picture. I think I've got a picture. I don't know if it's going to be good enough. But there, right there are, is wheat and bearded darnel. Can you see the difference in any of them? Can you see them? I grew up on a farm, and I, it's very hard for me to see uh, what I think might be some bearded darnel is, is this one right there that's kind of, the seeds seem to be a little tighter. They look so much alike especially when they're first planted. Now, everybody's making a big deal in their sermons. You can't see the difference between these two. Well, the servants are, are able to see the difference in the passage. They catch the difference of it. But it's after the grain has been formed. It's after the, the grain, and finally the heads begin to show themselves, okay, that they begin to see this. In other words, they begin to see the difference by the fruit, by the fruit. And so this alarms them. And guys, by the way, if and I don't have the trained eye to know the difference between bearded darnel and wheat, and you probably don't either. But there are people that actually can tell the difference. And if you don't detect this early, if you don't find this before harvest, what can happen is the darnel seed could get mixed up in the wheat. And when you make flour, it only makes the, the bread taste bitter it makes it poisonous too. So sowing seed in somebody's field, wheat field, is like it can bankrupt a farmer. In fact, under Roman law, it was against the law to sow bearded darnel in your enemy's field. I mean, it was punishable if you were to put these weeds in your enemy's field. That's how bad it was. Who would do such an underhanded thing? What, what despicable person, underhanded, no good, four flushing, bushwhacking barracuda would do such a thing? <laughs> Jesus tells us the weeds are those people, and I want you to circle people. It's not things. You know, in the sower, the things that, that, that threatened the Christian were the cares of this world, right? The deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life. But this weed is a person. The weeds are those people who belong to the evil one, and the enemy who planted the bad seed is the devil. Jesus is real clear here. He's saying, look, I recognize there's evil on the earth. Do you? That's a very sobering question, because we like to think we do. Yeah, I know what's evil. In my generation, Charles Manson, evil, easy. Saddam Hussein, easy, evil. ISIS, easy, evil. Right? We get that. We, we have no trouble there. But Jesus is not talking about somebody that's so obvious. Remember, bearded darnel and wheat closely resemble one another. I've often wondered, and I'm just, this is my opinion, that maybe he's talking about religious people. 
people that look like the good seed, that act somewhat like the good seed, but they're really not the good seed. Guys, I'll tell you right now, Jesus has an enemy. He's very clear about this. And his enemy is yours too. If you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, and Satan is malicious, he is very malicious and despicable. And one of the things he's going to do, because evil is everywhere, there is someone, this is very important for many of us to hear. And by the way, I know some of you are going, I hope the young people hear this. I want to tell you some old people. We have a lot, still have a lot of young people experience going on at our age. We haven't learned it yet. So let's don't make it just on the young people. How about people in general here? I'm not mad at you. I just want to make that clear as an old person to an old person. Okay? This is very important. All of us get this. There is someone that Satan wants to use to sabotage God's plan for you. You hear me? Satan plants evil everywhere. And it's, by the way, it's someone that's similar to you, that's designed, if you're not careful, will poison you. Like Darnell, it will poison your life. What's the seed? What are you talking about, Tim? It's that that foul-mouthed person at work that has the values of a tick. They're so secular and so psychobabble God's idea is be, oh, no way, not that religious stuff. It's that worldly roommate that says, man, I love to party. I'm not hurting anybody. And he's, he doesn't think he's hurting anybody. It's that family member. See, this evil's everywhere. I haven't mentioned terrorism, but this is bad. That's a family member that criticizes Christianity, criticizes churches. I'm against organized religion. You know what they're really against? Having somebody control my life. So they call you foolish and stupid and an idiot. You know, you use God as a crutch. I'll never forget Rick Warren one time said, He's not my crutch. He's my iron lung. This, this Satan's seed, this bad seed, is a friend that appears to be spiritual. Appears to be spiritual, but when you look at them closely, they're not. They're not serious. Oh, they might dress up and come to church and sit here amongst us. You're saying weeds are here? I want you to know I'm watching some of you. Yeah, some of you act just like weeds, even in the service. Even in the service. You're not fooling anybody. You know, you're definitely not fooling God because He planted the good seed. He knows the difference early on between the wheat and the weeds. But it's a friend that appears spiritual, but they're really not. It's, the, it's a church member who's constantly criticizing the leadership of its church, undermining its ministry with, we don't have to do that, or why is that so big a deal, or I'm just not, I don't care. And it just, am I follow, anybody follow me on this one? Does that make sense? How many times have you done that? I can tell you there's been many times I've been the weed in the church, the weed in his field, said the dumbest stuff, 
done the dumbest things. All I can do is, God, forgive me. That's all I can do. I don't want to be a weed. I want to be the wheat. I want to be the good seed. How about you? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion, this is my opinion again, I'm of the opinion that Jesus is talking here, He calls His disciples by, privately, and it's possible he's, he's saying something to them that we may have to start thinking about more often. That He's talking about the persecution that's coming. I can't imagine what my granddaughters are going to go through. Um, Don and I, Yoder and I joke about it. We're on the tail end of this thing. Lord, get us out of here before it really goes to hell in a handbasket. We joke about it. But it's coming. Real persecution is coming. None of this, you can't get off work for a retreat. Oh, I feel so persecuted. Come on. Come on. Persecuted? We're going to get beheaded. I wonder if that's what he's saying to his disciples here. Evil's everywhere, guys. We just talked to a bunch of them in the crowd. The same crowd that would say, Hosanna, Hosanna, said, crucify him, crucify him. They're in the crowd. They're in the Pharisees. And I'm sorry to tell you guys, they're even in my family. They can't be amongst us. Wow. Wow. And though he says that, he, and by the way, this is sobering. This is, one of, this, this is the part of this passage I don't like. Can I just, I'm on the level with you. I don't like it. Jesus, it's almost like you're saying, evil's here, Tim, and it's always going to be here. What? Yeah, evil's always... I thought we were here to eradicate evil. No. It's always going to be here, Tim. You mean it's all my life? All your life. But Tim, I want them to grow together. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You say you want us to grow together? Yeah. Not the together part that, that it excites me. He's saying, are you telling me I can grow amongst the weeds? And he's saying, of course you can. And one day we'll finally, we'll get the weeds around. We'll get them out. But I want you to grow in those weeds. Grow amongst the weeds. Be that good soil. Be like me. Glorify your Father in heaven. Pretty tough point, huh? <laughs> I think it is. It's challenging. Because the third point is even more challenging, okay? I notice, and that is that God is patient with me. And now, before yesterday, or, or I mean yesterday, before today, I had originally God is patient with people. And really, you could even say God is patient with His disciples. Because I realize I may be speaking to weeds and wheat today. But if you're a Christian, again, he's talking to just his disciples here. I want you to know he's saying to his disciples, God is patient with you. With us? Absolutely. How do you know that, Tim? Well, look what it says. Later the wheat sprouted and the, and the heads of grain grew, but the weeds also grew. Now, what's he saying there? He's saying they sprouted 
and the heads of grain begin to form. And the weeds also grew too, which means the heads of grain also begin to appear. Then the man's servants came to him and said, You planted good seed in your field. In other words, I saw it. Where did these weeds come from? The man answered, An enemy planted weeds. The servant asked, Do you want us to pull up the weeds? Makes sense. Hey, we got some weeds. We can see them now. You want us to get rid of them? Like I say earlier, Darnell or Darnell initially appears very similar to wheat, and it's practically impossible to distinguish the two. Uh, a novice or an amateur, it's very difficult or impossible until the heads begin to form. Notice again that passage. It says later. Later. Would you circle that word later? In other words, they've had time to grow. They've had time to grow. God's permitted them to have time to grow together. And so the servants notice the difference. They say, he wants to pull them out. And what's he say? No. What? What, what, Wait wait a minute. What? No. You don't want us to pull them out? No. Why not? Because when you pull up the weeds, you might also pull up the wheat. I got a question. Who is God more concerned about, the weeds or the wheat? Huh? Hmm? The wheat. The wheat. Never saw that before. Never noticed that before. Well, what's the big deal? I'll show you the big deal in that. It says, let the weeds and the wheat grow together until harvest time. In other words, the guys are saying, you say no? Are you crazy? Man, there's weeds in the field. It's, you're ruined. You're going to go bankrupt. And there's something I noticed about the servants that I have in common with them, and maybe you do too. The servants are ignorant and impatient. They're ignorant in one sense, because they don't see the big picture. They never thought about, oh, we'll tear the wheat out with it. And they're also impatient. They think we need to do something right now about it. We've got to do something. We've got to get rid of these weeds. And see, that's me. That's, boy, that's me. I want to get rid of evil. The world would be so much better if it was, wasn't so much evil. If we had nothing but Christian radio stations all over the place. And all the TV was Christian. And yet, how many of us sit there and really watch the Christian shows? Hello! Now, I'd love to get rid of the evil. But listen, listen. God forbids it. God forbids it. He says, no. No, wait a minute, Lord. You misunderstand me. No, you misunderstand me, Tim. I want them to be together now. I've got to have them together now. Why? Why are you letting them, giving them so much time to grow together? You're misunderstanding, Tim. I'm giving you time to grow as you grow with them. See, the roots are entwined. They're mixed up. They're entwined. You start pulling. Listen, guys, when we're impatient and ignorant, we do more harm than good. When we're ignorant and impatient, if anything, this, passage, this, this, this parable is how impatient I am with people. I want to change right now. Now, I want God to be patient with me, of course, but not everybody else. <laughs> Anybody else want to admit that? <laughs> slip up the, every head bowed and slip up that hand. Yeah, okay. All right. Now, here's what I'm saying is, you know, look at this passage here. Oh, this is very interesting. 
Second Peter 3. I've always traditionally looked at this a certain way, and now I'm looking at it a little bit differently. There's something else leaping out at me here. Now, this is in the message, and the NIV does a good job, too. I, I just like the message and the way it says this. God isn't late with His promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining Himself on account of you. Holding back the end because He doesn't want anyone lost, He's giving everyone space and time to change. Why is he holding back the end? On whose account? The Christian's account. I always had this idea, you know, if we could just con- we'll convert the whole world. And the last person we baptize that's a pagan, Jesus will come back. Jesus is saying, Tim, not everybody's going to become a Christian. Then why are we doing this? Because there's some that will. But you're always going to have evil. If you really want to know what, in my opinion, this is my opinion, you want to know what will make me come back? The last Christian dies. Then there's no reason to save the field. Let's think about it. You ever been at a restaurant and you're listening to people talking? Some, maybe some old guys, you know, retired. Not to pick on any of you because I'm one day going to be there. They're always talking about how it should be. And you'll hear somebody say, well, they just nuke those ISIS guys. You ever thought that? My brother and I were talking. He goes, you know, I thought he would stop that ISIS, just a couple of wad cutters. I go, what's a wad cutter? And he goes, well, a wad cutter comes out of a big C-130 transport, and it takes out ten city blocks when it hits the ground. You ever thought that? Oh, that's so unchristian to think that way. But you think it. Why don't they just nuke them? Well, I think I know why. The world wouldn't like it. Duh. And why would the world not like that? The same reason we don't. same reason we won't do it. Because there's innocent people mixed in all of them. What gets the headlines, guys? When a bomb hits a place and women and children are killed, right? And it's our focus on that that keeps us from dropping the wad cutters. And the reason God don't drop... Hail fire and brimstone, or whatever you want to call it, all that hails of fire and all that stuff on us is because of the good seed. He needs it to flourish. And He waits patiently on, on you, on me. I'd like to think we're in that category. Those of you who are disciples. What about the wicked, though, Tim? Well, they're getting to, they're getting to ride along. And God is patient with them as well. Because unlike this parable, no one's locked in. You can, you can change from a weed to, to some wheat. God is patient. Look what it says here in, in uh, Matthew 5. Jesus talks about it. makes me look at this passage a little differently now. But I tell you, look what he says. Love your enemies. Is that a weed? Yeah, it's a weed. Pray for those who persecute you. Is that a weed? Absolutely. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. We just found out that children of the kingdom are good seed. He goes, you're living amongst the weeds. He says, in fact, the sun comes down on both and the rain comes down on both. And he says, and here's what you need to do because you're living amongst the weeds. You, you need to be patient. You need to love and pray. 
for these weeds. He's saying to us this morning, when you guys, you're living, we live, I tell you, you see them everywhere. You see weeds everywhere. They're not just crazy drivers. You see them at Walmart. You see them at the grocery store. You have a family reunion, and there's a few there. Am I right? I, I was at uh, a wedding reception, Corey and Rachel's wedding reception, and, and I prayed that we would have the kind of behavior that would honor God and respect Corey and Rachel. Now, why would I pray such a prayer like that? Did Jim come over and say, Tim, make sure you pray about that? No. But I was thinking about how I act sometimes. And I, was, and I, I saw a lot of weeds. Unbelieving people that don't give a rip about what God thinks. And they're everywhere. You can't get away from them. You can live in a cabin in the middle of the Colorado Rockies, and I guarantee you, a weed's going to deliver your mail. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. You can't get away from these weeds. And what's Jesus say? Tim, you're living among the weeds. Treat them like I would. Be patient with them like I would. Love them like me. Pray for them like me. Be patient like me. And refuse to react like me. Respond to them. But they're going to cut us in half. They'll cut us down like, like a guy mowing a lawn. He goes, I know. And I didn't retaliate when they did it to me. And you don't retaliate when they do it to you. You don't bomb their place. You don't like it because they abort children. You don't bomb the clinic. That's not your business. Well, you're saying I can't stop crime when I see it? Of course, use your head here. But it's not our job to eradicate evil. It's our job to be good influence among it. It's a very difficult point to make. But remember, God is being patient with you and I as we're trying to change the way we see things here. Number four, God is the final judge. Now, I'm to use judgment with others. The Bible will tell us that. Use some clear judgment. But I'm not the judge of others. Someone uh, read this week, said it like this. God waits until a person dies before final judgment. Maybe we ought to take a hint from Him. And do the same thing. Wow. See, the harvest, and this is... The harvest is the final judgment. That's what He says here. And I thought what's interesting to me is, and it caught me off guard, uh, this is my weakest point, I think, and yet it's the last point. It's supposed to be the strongest. I didn't know what to do. Because we don't talk about judgment at Greater Alton. I don't hear anybody preaching judgment except those crazy people on the radio every once in a while. People don't talk about the judgment of God. We're going to scare people. Well, I've I got news for you. When Jesus is talking about judgment, He spends almost half of His explanation on the judgment. It ought to get my attention. He's not teaching this because He's, you know, he's wanting to scare me. He's teaching this to us because He wants to prepare me to be ready. Let the weeds and the wheat, He says, grow together until harvest time. At harvest time, I will tell the workers, first gather the weeds and tie them together to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them to my barn. Wow. Good and bad here. You know, guys, you're going to res- judgment day is either going to be something you're going to like or you're going to hate. There's no middle. 
I'm kind of, you know, ambivalent to Judgment Day. Really? <laughs> you can't be. You're either going to be, it's going to either scare you to death or excite you to death, man. Because look, at, there's just, the contrast is here. You know, there's several ways. There's three ways in particular they would separate the weeds and the wheat. One is they'd get some women and their children, and they would go meticulously through the piles as the harvesters brought them in. Another way is that sometimes the wheat would grow a little taller than the darnel would, and so they were able to cut it just above the darnel and get most of it. But the most popular method that was used was the harvester himself would go through and separate the two. He was the one that had the best eye. When he judged, he judged accurately. Servants, you know, here, these are his angels. They're also experts. Is what Jesus is showing us here. What do they do with the weeds? Well, a lot of times they bundle them up and burn them. Well, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, sometimes they put them and heat their homes with these weeds while the other, the wheat, would be stored in the barn where it was safe. Listen, listen to this. And it was, it was how do you say it? It was, it was safe and it was stored. Another word for stored is saved for later. And I grew up on a farm and we had grain, a granary and we'd keep, keep corn and beans and we would save it and keep it protected from the weather. You know, and we'd bring it in. Danny and I remember scooping wagon loads of beans and corn in the granary, my great-grandfather's farm. And inside there, all this corn was just so protected, and we'd use it later. We, it, was, it was stored to be used. Is there a parallel here for us here? It's stored to be used. God isn't done. By the way, God wants to use me on earth, but He's got some things He's going to use me for in heaven. And it's protected are you a weed or a weed? Think about it. He says, Just as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the, of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they'll gather out of His kingdom all who cause sin and all who do evil. The angels will throw them in the blazing furnace where the people will cry and grind their teeth with pain. Then the good people will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Fire and sun both give light. The fire, the light of the fire you don't want to experience. But the light, the sun in the kingdom, oh my goodness, we will shine, it says, like that sun. There's going to be a day, and I don't say this to scare you, but to prepare you, there's going to be a day we're all going to face God. You're going to face the judgment of God. Like 2 Corinthians 5 says, we will face the judgment of God for everything we've said and done. God's going to separate one from the other. In fact, here in chapter 13, after another parable on the net, he says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. That's the way it's going to be. You know, I want to, I want to make sure I'm separated. I'm the wheat. But first of all, I want to tell you, you can be confident that God will do the right thing. He will make sure the wheat, not a kernel of it, is going to the fire. You can be sure of that. Are you sure, though? Are you going to be sure? Because you can be, too. Make a very clear distinction between the old life and the new life that you live. 
Matthew 3, he said this, His windowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's going to happen. It's coming. And that's why I think Jesus says, if you've got ears, you better hear. You better use them to listen. So I close with this question, this question on your notes and up here on the screen. Are you more weed-like or wheat-like? Just ask yourself, am I more wheat-like or weed-like? That's important to, to think about. You know, I, I'm, I'm like Carl. You know, I just started. So Tim, I don't know. I, I'd like to think I'm wheat. Well, if you've obeyed, obeyed, you know, obeyed what the Bible says to become a Christian, yeah, it makes you weak. But if you've, if you've never, never surrendered to Jesus, guys, you're weed. You're weak. You're in trouble. Have you, have you, have you gotten away from the weed? Have you gotten away? Have you, have you drifted into another kind of life that's more like a weed? God says, why don't you change that this morning? Why not change that this morning? He needs, listen, some of you here have been in places, workplaces, neighborhoods, campuses. God used you so effectively. But now it seems like you've kind of just leveled off. God needs you to be good again. He needs you to be that good seed again. Is that what you need to decide this morning? What needs to change so you can, so God can use you as He strategically puts you in that family? You know, I was thinking, I told the first service, you know, I know some of our families here. You ever feel like you're in the Munster family and you're the blonde chick? You know, what's her name? I can't remember. But she was Marilyn, yeah. She was the normal one. And all of them were crazy looking. Grandpa and, you know, all of them. Cousin It. Uh-huh. We all got a cousin It. You know, or or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Thing. It's, it's just to me. I'm just thinking to myself. There's times when you think, well, "Why am I in this family?" You're in this family for a reason. You're meeting with your family. Yeah, you're going to have some barbecue or some food or something. But you're there also to be a good influence. And may God help you do that. May God help you be wheat. Leave here, being God's good seed. Seed can be cleaned up. May God help you find the way and um, repent of whatever it be and be that good seed. Let's pray together and we'll be done. Father, we, we pause to pray, Lord, just before we fill out these cards. Father, just to think about what a powerful parable. Your stories, your son's stories are amazing. Father, help us see that you've planted us in a certain place for a reason. We're not locked here. We're not locked in here. We're not locked in these places, Father. But, but instead of trying to find a way to get out of these places, may Father help us to find a way to be good in these places. Whether it be our workplace or a campus or in our family or in our, in our town. i got to tell you, Lord, I don't like that evil's everywhere. I have grandbabies that I don't want to see harmed. And Father, I, I question the judgment sometimes, your judgment on why would you allow stuff to happen. And passages like this do help me. But help me, Father, as I, as I see the evil everywhere, Lord, that I don't become pessimistic, that we don't become pessimistic or, or cynical or negative 
and just keep saying, oh, the world's bad, the world's bad, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. Father, help us focus on ways to make it better, to be that good influence. And maybe, Father, it needs to start with us being learning to be patient like, like you are with us, to let that patience drift over into the weeds that we see. Because there's some wicked people out here. And, Father, I'm not saying that we look the other way, but we endure and be faithful to you and tolerate the evil in one way with a sense of long-suffering to where we go into these places that are so bad to try to, to make an impact. Thank you for giving us more time to change. Father, I pray you come quickly, but thank you for giving us the time from, to try to change me some more. i got so much that needs to change. And Father, I pray we'll not be the judge. We'll not be the final judge. There may be people we've written off that we need to put back on the list. Let us let, us let you be the judge. And Father, I pray that we'll be prepared, not scared, of the end of the age of your coming. Father, who's among us that's weed? That's a weed. Who amongst us, Father? Who amongst us is wheat? Help us learn to see the difference, to be a little, to be a, have a little more wisdom, a little more knowledge, and help us choose, Father, to be that good seed, that wheat, that offers the bread of life to our friends and our family. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.